Section 4 of Birds and Nature, Volume 11, Number 4, April 1902. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Tavarish. The Autobiography of an Antelope I cannot tell you the exact date of my birth, as I was separated from my mother at a very early age, this lack of knowledge on my part, I think, should be excused. But Polly has often told me it was the second day of April, 1866, that I came into her possession. On that particular morning the wind was very high and had a stinging bite in it, and my mother, after giving me my breakfast, left me nestled down in a bunch of tall dry grass and went out for her own breakfast. I soon fell asleep, how long I had slept I do not know, when I was suddenly aroused from my comfortable nap by a large dark animal snorting right over me. Of course I was very much frightened and wished my mother would come to me. If I had not been so shaky on my legs I would have run away in search of her, but my feet had an uncomfortable way of getting too far apart, and my body seemed entirely too heavy for my legs so I lay very still, hoping that this strange object might pass on and not disturb me. But a few moments later there bent over me what I soon after learned was a man. Hello, he said, here is a baby antelope. There, don't struggle so, or you will break your pipe-stem legs. Soon I found that it was useless for me to try to free myself from his grasp, for while he was not at all rough, he held me quite firmly. Then I began to shiver from fear, also from the cold wind. Poor little fellow, he's cold, the man said soothingly, and he took a blanket from the pommel of his saddle and wrapped it around me. Then, mounting his horse with me still in his arms, we set out across the prairie. After about half an hour he stopped at a gate, where there were several log cabins huddled together. Polly, come here, Polly, the man called, and a little flaxen-haired girl came running from one of the cabins. What is it, Papa? she called, as she opened the heavy gate. It is a new pet for you, a baby antelope. And he handed me down to her. Polly put me on the ground and lifted the blanket from around me. Oh, the funny little darling, she cried. Papa, he's all legs and spots and, and ears. Yes, the man replied, he will soon lose his spots, but his legs and ears will stay with him, and it won't be very long until he will show you how he can use those long legs of his. The man rode away, and Polly carried me into the house, where everybody handled and looked at me, all of which made me feel forlorn indeed. But when Polly put me into a box, half full of nice clean hay, in a sunny nook between two of the cabins, I felt that the best thing for me to do was to lie down and go to sleep. After a comfortable nap I awoke feeling very hungry and began to call feebly for my mother. But it was Polly, henceforth my foster mother and beloved friend, that came in answer to my call. She carried me into the kitchen, where a bottle with a quill wrapped with a soft rag for a stopper, was standing by the fire. 
Polly took the bottle and put the stopper into my mouth. The rag was not pleasant to my taste, and the quill, although disguised by many soft wrappings, was hard and unyielding. Naturally, I objected, but Polly persisted, and after a while I got a taste of the warm milk that flowed through the quill. Then I ceased to struggle and proceeded to take my dinner in the only way I knew. At an early age I was taught to eat cornmeal and wheat bran, both of which I liked very much. Soon the yard became entirely too small for me. I longed to go outside, where there was room for me to use my legs, and I got to watching for the gate to be opened. Polly noticed my desire to get outside the gate, and one day when I was standing near it, looking out through a crack in the fence, she came and put her arms around my neck. Lopez, and her voice had a note of sadness in it that I had never heard before. It is because I love you so that I keep you shut up in this yard. A big wicked panther lives near here, and he might carry you off just as he did my little lamb. I never told you about it before because I did not want to make you feel sad, and, and, Lopez, I thought maybe you would feel jealous if you knew how much I had cared for something else. I tried to make her understand that I was not in the least jealous of the dead lamb, also that the fact that a panther lived near the ranch did not alarm me. I longed for freedom, glorious freedom, and felt that there was no animal of the plains that I would not willingly enter the lists against in a foot-race. One bright morning, soon after this, Polly's father opened the gate, at the same time saying to her, I am going to turn Lopez out for a little while this morning, and let him stretch his legs and eat some grass. Oh, Papa, she cried, he will run away, and the panther will catch him. Oh, no, her father replied, he will come back, and you need not fear the panther at this time of day. Caution is one of the characteristic traits of my family, so I approached the open gate slowly and stood looking out for a few moments. The ranch is situated on the bank of a small stream, which here swings around, forming a deep crescent, lying within the loop between the stream and the low range of hills, which just above the house flattens down to a ridge, is a lovely valley level as a floor and perhaps a mile and a half in length at the widest point it is not over three-quarters of a mile wide and narrows down to a point at each end of the crescent when i saw this beautiful playground my heart leaped with joy and i sprang away with the fleetness of the wind when I had tired myself out running around the valley, I came back to Polly, who still stood by the open gate. After this, Polly allowed me to go out every morning and again late in the afternoon, and a little later I had perfect freedom going and coming when it pleased me. I never stayed out at night, however, and but seldom went beyond the beautiful valley which was my playground. One warm day in midsummer, Polly and her father came out to the live oak tree by the gate, in the dense shade of which I usually took my noon nap. Polly was carrying her little work basket and some bright red ribbon. 
her father had a strap of leather and a small bright buckle i got up at once and went to them curious to know what they were going to do besides the scarlet ribbon was very attractive i soon saw that they were making me a collar the strap was measured to fit my neck and then covered with the ribbon then the buckle was put on and a very large bow of ribbon which showed off handsomely against the white of my neck and breast finished the collar soon after i learned the utility of this collar it was early morning and i had gone over the ridge and was quietly feeding suddenly i raised my head and saw a man not fifty yards away with his gun levelled toward me i looked at him very straight and he lowered his gun and went away. My bright collar had saved my life. One bright November day I had gone to the top of the hill and was looking away over that beautiful plain when Polly came and stood by me, her hand resting gently on my neck. Suddenly the thought came to me that it would be a fine thing for Polly and I to go away and live on the plains. What a free and happy life we would lead! we probably would find other antelopes and polly in time might learn to run as fast as i as this idea took shape i determined to try it at once so without giving polly any warning i sprang away and ran a short distance then turned around and invited her to come on she thinking that i wanted to romp came after me but when she could almost touch me i ran away as before and again she came after me laughing with glee this manoeuvre i repeated several times all the time going further out on the prairie at last polly stopped and looked back then to divert her attention i put forth all my efforts to draw her into a romp first by running around her in a circle and then stopping near her to jump up and down with my legs very stiff this always amused her greatly and it succeeded this time she laughed and ran after me trying to catch me but i dodged first one way and then the other just allowing her fingers to touch me then slipping away from her but all the time going further out on the prairie at last polly grew tired and stopped to look around her she gave a little gurgling cry of terror that brought me to her side at once oh lopez she cried lopez i don't know the way home it all looks alike and i have forgotten which way we came she clasped her arms around my neck and cried bitterly oh lopez she wailed don't you know the way home you know animals are smarter about such things than little girls i did know the way perfectly well and polly's grief hurt me so that i was strongly tempted to lead her straight back to the ranch but i reasoned that it had cost me considerable effort to get her this far and why should i now turn back besides to me there was no reason why polly should not be perfectly happy in this new and free life when she should become accustomed to it and why should she not adapt herself to my mode of life as easily as i had myself to hers reasoning thus i deliberately started in the opposite direction to the ranch walking slowly with polly by my side thus we wandered on for perhaps an hour then i stopped to graze and polly sank down on the grass to rest 
but soon she sprang up saying this won't do lopez we must go on and try to find home just see how low the sun is and then she began to cry we had started out early in the afternoon and the warm sunshine made the air very comfortable now the sun hung a great red ball just above the dark line that marked the union of sky and plain and the chill of evening was fast coming on we wandered on apparently the only living creatures on this vast plain on and on until the last ray of sunlight had been swallowed up by the dusk of evening the sky was thickly dotted with glittering twinkling stars and still we wandered on a band of white appeared just above the eastern horizon quickly followed by the moon which filled the lonely plain with the softened glory of its light and still we wandered on after what seemed to me a very long time polly sank down by a bunch of tall grass and i lay down close by her side she slipped her hand through my collar and soon fell asleep as the night grew colder polly nestled closer to me and as we had a thick bed of dry grass we were tolerably warm polly slept quietly and now i too fell asleep and was only awakened by the broad light of day i got up and went to grazing near where polly was lying still asleep soon i saw a wolf go from the carcass of a dead cow to a pool of water and drink being quite thirsty as soon as the wolf had gone away i went to the pool myself and drank then thinking polly might be thirsty too i went back to her and rubbed my nose against her face to wake her she sat up and looked around her in a dazed sort of way for a few minutes then stood up and strained her eyes first in one direction and then in another at last she turned to me and i could see that her lips were quivering lopez i think there is water where those small trees are growing anyway we will go and see when we reached the pool polly knelt down and drank and then gathered and ate several handfuls of red haws from the scrubby little trees that grew around the pool we then started on walking as fast as polly could we had gone on for perhaps two hours when i insisted upon stopping to eat some more grass polly pulled at my collar oh lopez come on she said a little crossly if i can do without something to eat surely you can too but i would not go and she sat down in the grass to wait for me when we started on again i noticed that polly was shivering the sun had disappeared behind a misty veil of clouds and it was much colder than it had been in the early morning later in the day we came to a deep ravine a few pecan trees grew along its banks and here polly gathered some of the fallen nuts and ate them while i ate my dinner of grass we found a place where a smooth trail crossed the gully this we followed until it broadened out and was lost in the prairie grass the sky was now a dull slate color and little feathery flakes of snow were falling i could see a dark streak in the distance which i knew must be timber instinct taught me that here we should find shelter and towards this we were hurrying 
little drifts of snow were gathering in polly's flaxen hair and her hands were purple from cold she stumbled often sometimes quite falling down but she would get up and struggle on the timber still seemed a great way off when polly stopped it is no use for me to try lopez she said i can't go any further you will have to go on alone and she sank down into the snowy grass now this was a terrible fix to be in the storm was growing worse every minute and i knew that it must be almost night i would run around polly and stamp my feet then rub my nose against her face trying to persuade her to get up and go on but she would only say poor lopez i can't go any further after a while she would not notice me then i knew she was asleep a feeling of despair was coming over me when i saw two men riding toward the timber i ran out so that i was directly in their path and stood facing them stamping my feet it was evident that they were watching me with some interest and when they were near me the older of the two exclaimed why that is polly vinson's pet antelope rope him bob and we will take him home the young man loosened a coil of rope from the pommel of his saddle and began to swing a loop above his head but before the loop could descend i sprang away and ran to where polly was lying now almost covered with snow the two men started on and i ran round and round and stamped my feet i was almost frantic they stopped again and the younger one came to us he got off his horse and bent over polly then turned and called to his companion who was now coming towards us mr dawson here is little polly herself and i fear she is dead he lifted polly up and shook her rather roughly i thought polly polly he cried wake up and tell me how you came here polly opened her eyes and sleepily looked at the young man oh mr bob she said wearily lopez and i are lost won't you please take us home then she leaned her head against him and closed her eyes again he quickly pulled off his overcoat and wrapped it around polly and handed her up to the older man then tying the end of his rope through my collar he mounted his horse when we started swiftly toward the timber to be tied was an indignity that i had never before submitted to but now i was so glad to have some help with polly that i made no resistance very soon we were at the dawson ranch indeed polly and i without knowing it had been going straight to the ranch and were not more than a mile away when she gave out and went to sleep in the snow when polly was warm and had eaten something mr dawson put her to bed and mr bob took me to the warm kitchen where i had a nice supper of wheat bran while i was eating mr dawson came to the kitchen and patted me on the neck brave lopez he said you saved the life of your little mistress after a few minutes the young man stood up mr dawson he said i am going to ride to vincent's tonight and let him know that his child is safe what cried mr dawson ride ten miles through this storm you must not think of such a thing yes replied the young man quietly i shall go 
blackbird will carry me there safely and i shall only be doing as i would be done by a little later i heard him ride away and then i went to sleep alice moss joiner end of section four